You're listening to a podcast from New Life Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. To learn more about New Life, find us online at newlifechurch.tv or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. Hey, New Life Church. I want to thank you for being faithful to the things of God, whether you're in a small group or serving in our church. But I want to challenge your mindset and the way you view New Life Church because I'm being challenged right now by God. And that is, a lot of times we think when you do something for the Lord, you need to come over here to our building and serve or get involved that way. But I want to change the way you see that for a second. I want to ask all of you to try to see what your ministry should be around your oikos. In the word, the Greek word, that's talking about your sphere of influence, the homogenous people that you're around, people you work with, people you do hobbies with. What should that ministry be? And instead of you coming into the church to do ministry, why can't the church just partner with you at home or in your workplace or around your hobbies? If we did, what would that be? Like, what would you like to see the Lord do in your life? It might be four friends that you hunt with and you would like to see them get more committed to Christ. It could be just in your family, doing devotions with them in the morning. I don't know what it is for you, but I wanna ask you to think about it. Because as a church, what the Lord is asking me to do is to partner with that. It just makes us a stronger church. So, what moves you? Maybe it's from the Lord. Maybe we need to endorse that, commission that, approve of that. It's probably the only way that we're going to continue to grow in Christ is to do something for Him. So, 2020, what's your ministry? Let's find it, let's do it, and let's celebrate about it. I'm proud of you, New Life Church. We're going to have an incredible year. God bless. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give Jesus praise this morning. Thank you, God. We love him. What Pastor Rick was saying there is really important, and I hope that you caught this, because in this next year as a church, this is kind of a shift that we want to make when we're thinking about ministry. So many times when we think about ministry, we attach it to what we're doing while we're here at the church on Sunday mornings or in student ministries and things that are happening on Wednesday nights. But ministry should be happening in your life on a daily basis. And so we really want to think differently in this next year. And that's why we're going to do a series. And right now we're starting on work. Um, And I know that when you hear that, some of you may check out automatically because you think, well, I don't have a job or I'm a student or I'm retired or I'm a stay at home mom. Let me tell you this. Wherever you are making a contribution, that is where you work. And so the things that we're going to be teaching today and over the next few weeks as Pastor Marcus brings the word will apply to you because, and listen to me here, every person in this place, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you should be making a contribution with your life 
in one way or another. So this applies to people that are students and people that are retired. The whole spectrum of the people that go to this church, there is a way, one way or another, that you can make a contribution with your life. So we're going to have a lot of fun over the next few weeks, but don't check out just because you hear it's God at work. How many of y'all remember your first job that you ever had? Let me see your hands. All right. All right. Let, let me hear. What are a few of your first jobs? Just shout it out. Gas station. Gas station? Oh, man. All right. Lottery tickets over here. Who else? What else? So, pizza in? Woo, all right, good for you, good for you. You know, my, my family had a, a tradition every Wednesday night in Magnolia, Pizza Inn had half-priced pizzas, and so that's the only time we ever ate pizza was on Wednesday night. Y'all remember when pizza used to be expensive, like $18 for a pizza? What were they thinking back then? Now you can give them $5 on Grand Avenue, all right? Pizza Inn, my goodness. One more, what else you got? What's that? Party? Hardy's, Hardy's, okay, Hardy's, all right, Hardy's, good on you. Uh, what is the worst job you've ever had? If your boss is in here, please don't, don't answer right now, okay? Do me a favor. Worst job, let's hear it. My first job. <laughs> his first job was his worst job. What's that? Fast food. How many, how many people have worked in fast food here? Lots of people. Praise God. Hey, you've probably seen me then. <laughs> you probably know me then. How many of y'all have uh, been a waiter or a waitress in this place? Look at this. Good. I was a waiter for like three days. I was really bad. <laughs> really terrible. My worst job, I'll tell you my absolute worst job, was I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was a direct TV installation professional, right? <laughs> it's so terrible. It was bad because I was terrible at it, okay? Uh, I know when you look at me, you think I, I look like I could probably do that really well. I can't. Um, when you think about a cable guy, a direct TV guy, you think about the big van that they drive around and they have the blue shirt, the uniform, and the pants, and they generally look like they know what they're doing. Uh, none of these things apply to me. Uh, they didn't give me a van. Uh, they didn't give me any tools. They didn't give me a uniform. So I would show up in flip-flops and a t-shirt to somebody's house and knock on their door. Uh, a quarter of the time they would call the police, even though I would insist I am from DirecTV. Um, I was so bad. I, I, I didn't have a van, you know, so I had a, a 98 Corolla and I would pull up in my Corolla. I had taken all the seats out of the Corolla so that I could fit my ladder inside. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. It was a really shady place anyways, obviously, since they hired me, but they didn't offer any training. They just said, can you hook up cable? I was like, sure. I mean, I plugged the thing in the thing. So I, I got, I remember this as clear as day. I, I got to this house and they wanted, um, you know, satellite installed. So I took the satellite dish up on the roof and, uh, I asked the guy that owned the house, like, where do you, where do you want this thing? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to know? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it, you know? 
So I just picked a spot, whatever, any spot's as good as any other, and I took my drill and I started drilling holes in the roof. Uh, I drilled four holes in the roof, which is fine. It makes sense. You got to attach it, you know. And then I, I drilled a bigger hole so I could stick the cables down into the roof. And uh, cool. So I went in the house and I drilled a hole in the ceiling and I pulled the cables down and I plugged it in and it worked. And I was super proud of myself, you know. And the guy that owned the house, he came and he looked and he was like, I can see outside. I was like, yeah. Yeah, we can. It's like, what do I do if it rains? It's like, huh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't tell me. I don't know. Uh, I only got paid per successful installation, so I didn't get paid very much. <laughs> I tried a lot. If you lived in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, sometime in uh, the late 2009, 2008, you may be entitled to a refund <laughs> uh, if you got DirecTV, all right? So, uh, work is something that a lot of times we will let define us. It describes who we are when we first meet someone. Generally, the first thing we ask is, it's great to meet you, what's your name? And they tell you their name, and then you say what? What do you do? There are a lot of dates that never happen because of how someone answered that question. Listen to this. You're going to spend 150,000 hours of your life working. 150,000. That's 40% of your life. And if you spend 40% of your life doing anything, you need to make sure that you're doing it right. You need to make sure that you get this right. But even though we spend that much of our life doing this thing, working 150,000 hours, 40%, when asked, I just read this number, 71% of people said, I wish I had a different job. I mean, 71% of you are probably working somewhere and daydreaming about working somewhere else. They feel unfulfilled. They feel like their work doesn't matter. They don't like what they do. They want to do something else. So we have to, as a church, as your pastors, start the year off by talking about this because we want you to get it right in that area of your life. So we're going to start real basic. What is the point of work? And this is a question that is old as work itself. Solomon asked this question 3,000 years ago. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9. What do people really get for all their hard work? What do people get? What's the point? If I'm giving up almost half of my life to do something, what in the world is it all for? And some people think... It's punishment from God to go to work, right? How many of y'all ever had a job where you feel like, if, uh, God, are you mad at me? Is that why I'm going through this? How many of y'all ever worked somewhere like that? I've been there. I totally get it. Work is not punishment from God. Work was God's plan from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. So we're not working because Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, that's not the reason for work, but it did affect work. Because of the fall of man, 
two things happened. The world, the order of the world was thrown into chaos and work became unenjoyable, unfulfilling, all right? And what God is doing is redeeming work and using it to bring order back into the world and fulfillment in your life. Work is important. We need to work. Have you ever gone somewhere where the unemployment rate is really high, maybe a different country, and you've seen what it's like where places where people don't work at all? It's usually a dirty place. It's, it's uh, chaotic. It's violent. It's like my house three days into Christmas break, all right? Chaotic, violent. My kids, I got Reese's packages all over the place, Christmas tree cakes half eaten everywhere. Lord, help me. When we don't work, things fall out of order. So this is the first week we're going to start real basic. Then Pastor Marcus will break it down over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to give you three purposes of work today. Number one, I work to meet my needs. I work to stay alive. I got to pay the bills. If you have a car, you have a car note probably, or you have to put gas in your car, or if you have a Tesla, you have to plug your car into a wall somewhere. Somewhere, some way, you got to pay something for that car. If you got a house, you've got to pay to live in it. If you've got water, you got to pay to turn on the, the tap. If you got a cell phone, you got a bill. You got to go to work because you owe somebody some money somewhere. It's, it's I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says this, the one who stays on the job has food on the table. The Bible says a lot about our work. And one of the things that it says to Christians in particular is this, your job, your calling is to provide for yourself and your family if you can. If you can be self-sufficient, the Bible says you are to be self-sufficient. If you can work, the Bible says you are to work. And not just that, but if you have a family, your family is your responsibility. You are to work to provide for your family. If you don't work and you don't provide, that is not a biblical example of how you should be leading your family. And listen to me. This isn't political. This is just biblical. It's not the government's responsibility to provide for you. It is not my responsibility or the church's responsibility or someone else's responsibility to provide for you. If you are able to work, it's your responsibility to work. And I want, even, even if you are not on this side where you do work, but maybe you feel like you are responsible for someone who's chosen not to work because of a selfish reason. They don't want to work. They're able to work, but they don't. And you feel like, oh, I got I to provide it. They're not going to eat anything. Let me, let me read to you out of 1 Timothy verse 8. The Bible is strong here. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's our responsibility 
not only our physical, natural responsibility, as a Christian and a believer, it is your spiritual responsibility to take care of your family as best as you can. And there are a lot of people today that don't actually believe this. Now, I understand people that feel like I don't like to go to work, okay? There are days where I wake up and I say, I don't want to go today. Just get the snooze about 15 times. I don't feel it. I get it. I used to work uh, for, I had a lot of jobs in the early days, right? So I used to work as a, a cart pusher. Uh, they called him a courtesy associate at Walmart, right? And I would push the carts, and it would snow outside, and I'd have to get out there in New Mexico and push those carts through the snow and this stuff. And there's so many times where I said, I don't want to go work today. I don't want to put on the smiley face button today. This ain't my day. There are a lot of people, but there are people that really think that this is a warped thinking. If I don't want to go to work, if I don't want to work, then I shouldn't have to work. I had lunch with a guy in Hot Springs a few years ago. And he said um, we, he, he had a wife, he had kids, and they had just moved back in with their parents because he told me this. He said, I don't like working. I said, okay, tell me more. All right, I need to know. And um, he said, I think... I have one life to live, and I don't want to spend it doing something that I don't like. I said, well, okay, you can find another job. You know, there are lots of types of jobs out there, they say. And uh, he says, uh, it's not that I, I, don't, I have the wrong job. I've tried all different kinds of jobs. I don't get joy out of going to work. What I get joy out of is staying home. I like to sleep in, have a slow morning. I like to get up. I like to get online with my friends and play Call of Duty on my PlayStation. I thought to myself, what in the world? He said, I, I'm cool with this, and my wife, I think, is cool with this too. She's cool to go to work and let me just kind of find myself right now. I thought my wife would hit me with a frying pan if I said that. How many of y'all's wife would kick you out the house if you told her, I just need to find myself right now? Yeah. Find yourself at Taco Bell. Go get you a job. <laughs> this is an idea that people have. I want to be happy. I have one life to live. YOLO, so shouldn't I be happy? Doesn't God want me to be happy? God wants you to obey his word. And in doing that, find a light. In serving Jesus and following Jesus and growing as a disciple of Jesus, that is where the Bible says to delight in the Lord. It is not chasing these things that give us momentary pleasure. And we say, oh, I like this. This feels good. I want to do this and ignore what the word says about my life and how I'm supposed to live and what I'm supposed to do. If I ignore all of this stuff and just chase after happiness, it is fleeting and it will leave you. You are to delight in the Lord. And choosing to let other people support you when you're able to provide for yourself is not biblical. I want you all to think about Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda, and there was a man who was lame, and he was laying there, and he, the Bible says he'd been there for a long time. And Jesus walked up, and he asked him a question. He said, 
Do you want to be healed? And if I'm a disciple rolling with Jesus, right, I'm just thinking, Jesus, this is kind of an obvious question, you know. Yes, heal the man. Help him up. Get the guy up off the thing. He wants to be healed. But Jesus asked this question because why? The fact is some people don't want to walk through life. They want to be carried through life. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Whoever doesn't want to work shouldn't be allowed to eat. That is strong. Every dad has had this talk. My dad used to rail me with this. Destroying the idea that things that we have come from nothing, right? My dad was a hard worker. He works in, uh, worked in the oil field, and he would come home, and he would see uh, things, uh, leaving the water on too long or leaving this turned on or this kind of thing, the air conditioning running, it didn't need to be running. You know you made your dad mad when he can tell you how much electricity costs by the hour, right? He can tell you how much a gallon of water from the tap is. He can tell you how many cents it is. When anybody measures anything in cents, you know they're mad, all right? My dad could tell me all this stuff. He would go down the list of all the different things, how much this costs, how much that costs, how much time he had to work on a drilling rig to pay for my glass of water. And I'm just a little kid sitting there, you know, and my eyes are all big. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. But I have kind of taken some of that stuff and I have used it myself now that I am a father. It's one of my favorite things. My kids, both of them, came to me this week. I have a 10-year-old boy. I have an 8-year-old girl, Fox and Eileen. And they both came to me in the kitchen. I was cooking dinner. They sat down. It was like an intervention. They sat down and they said, Dad, we want iPhones. I said, I'm just chopping. And I was so happy they said that. <laughs> I said, you do? They said, yeah, we want iPhones. I was like, oh, you can have them. <gasps> really? I was like, yeah, sure. And y'all know what I said, boy. I said, all you got to do is go get a job and then get a paycheck and cash that check and take it to the iPhone store and they will give you an iPhone. This is one of my favorite parts about being a dad is you can say things that are only funny to you. <laughs> I love that. I love it. How many of y'all heard this before? There is no such thing as a free lunch. And that is the truth. So many of our prayers that we pray are answered because someone got up and they went to work. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying, God, please provide this for us. But a lot of times, most times, 99.9% .9 of the time, the way he provides that is because some farmer somewhere got up. He had coffee while you were still deep asleep. And he went out and he plowed the ground and he planted the seeds. And we say, God, please heal us. We need healing. We believe that God heals three different ways. One, he can touch you in an instant and miraculously heal you. We see that happen in scripture over and over again. Two, we believe that he gave us antibodies and an immune system and that our body can take care of itself sometimes and fight off bacteria. But the third way that we believe that God heals is he uses doctors 
and he uses medicine. And I know doctors that go to New Life Church, surgeons that have a big surgery at 6 a.m. And at 4 a.m., they are up and they are praying and asking God, please guide these hands. Please help me today. I need you. So many of the things that we pray for, the prayers are answered by people that work. We pray for protection for our family. And I do believe that God gives his angels charge over us and protects us. But I also, let me tell you, I can say this because we're in Arkansas. I also very much appreciate and believe that God sometimes puts somebody in the room with us that has a Glock on their hip that can protect us if things go sideways. You know what I'm saying? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that a police officer got up and he went to work and he pulled over a drunk driver and he got him off the road so that my family could drive down the road safely. Sometimes, most of the time, our prayers are answered because someone got up and they went to work. Number two, we work for the glory of God. God has taken special care to design you and create you, and you are not like anyone else in this world. No one else that has ever been, and no one else that will ever be. And God has given you gifts and talents, spiritual gifts and natural talents, and he expects you to use them. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And he's talking about spiritual gifts here. And we make a big deal about this in Connect, discovering what it is that God has gifted you with so you can get busy and plugged into the church using those gifts. Because we believe that this church is stronger when everyone is using their gift. They also gave people natural talents, abilities, aptitudes. There are things that you are just good at naturally. Math is something that I am not good at naturally or supernaturally. I'm terrible at it, okay? I, I just, I went back to school a few years ago and I took this math class and I just stared at it. I said, I can't believe that humans have come up with this. This is another world to me, you know what I mean? But my wife is good. She can look at it and she goes, oh yeah, quadratic formula. All right, babe, can you take my class? I mean, I'll get you a glue on beard and you can go in and take this class for me because I don't know what I'm doing. A lot of times you and me, we will have these gifts and talents, but we will be looking at someone else and saying, I wish I were as funny as Marcus. And if I were as funny as Marcus, then I'd really do something, you know. He's funny. He's good. He's good at preaching the word. I wish I were as good as him. Or I wish I could sing like Maddie, man. Maddie can sing. She could bring down the house. My goodness. I wish I could sing like that. And you spend a lot of your time looking at the gifts that God has given other people, completely neglecting the fact that God has placed gifts inside of you. And those gifts are just as needed as Marcus's gift, as Maddie's gift. But when your eyes are on them and not on what God has created you to do, then you'll never use those things. But we need all of them. Martin Luther, uh, the guy that kind of kicked off the Protestant Reformation, talked of this. It's called the doctrine of vocation. And this is what he says, that every person, no matter what it is, if it's 
if you are a banker, if you are a lawyer, if you are a trash truck guy, if you work at Dunkin' Donuts, all right, no matter who it is, as a believer, you have gifts and talents that are necessary to build the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter what your job is. Your job is what you get paid to do. It matters what your calling is. These are the gifts and the things that God has placed inside of you. And when we all use them together for the glory of God, then his kingdom is built. But the key is taking these things and using them for the glory of God, that we work for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. When we recognize that we have gifts, we also have to recognize that someone gave us those gifts. Those gifts do not come from us. They came from heaven. So when we go and we excel at work and we're doing a really good job, doing the things that God's gifted us to do, that brings him much glory because he created us. He made us. He is the giver of these gifts. When we go and we find fulfillment in what we're doing and we're doing a really good job, how do you know if you are working, doing what you're supposed to be doing? It's if you're really good at it and you enjoy it, then God gets so much glory in that because he's the one that designed it that way. And we give all thanks to heaven. Number three, the last reason we work that I'm going to give you today to be a kingdom blessing. I work in order to help others. You may have never thought about it this way, but when you get all that you need, all the money that you need, when you gather all the resources that you need, when you get to that stage of life where you say, I don't need anything else and I can retire now, a lot of people that I know, they keep working. They keep working so that they can be a blessing. There are three stages of life, and you've heard Pastor Marcus say this. I'm going to quickly go through this. The first stage of life is the survival stage. You moved out of your mama's house. You're going somewhere. You just got married or you're in college. This is the ramen noodle phase. You know what I mean? This is the spam, can of spam phase. God bless your soul. Some of you are there right now. I pray for you. The chicken ramen is the best one, in my opinion, the orange packet. So go for that one, okay? Stay away from the spam. Uh, this is what happens at the very beginning. And then you work, you work, you work, and you move on to the success stage. This is a good stage. It's good. And in fact, this is where most people land. This is where most people stop. This is where if it's my birthday, I can go to Golden Corral. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I got my own Netflix login. I'm not stealing somebody else's. You know what I mean? It's good. I am successful. I'm happy. You save up a bunch of money someday. You go on a cruise. You are successful. Very few people ever move on to this next stage. It's the significance stage. Most people never get here. Most people work so that they can get a bunch of stuff, and then they keep what they get, and they hold on to it, and that's it. But when you move from success to significance, you are moving so that your life 
can be a funnel. That when God blesses you and you work and you have things that you can turn around and be a blessing to someone else. When I was young, my, my first job in ministry, there was a guy that really was living in this significant stage. He was very successful at what he did. And the truth is, if I'm being honest with you, I kind of, uh, you know, embellished my resume a little bit uh, for this first ministry job I got. Uh, it was a long time ago. I repented of the whole thing. But they asked me, they said, can you, are you a graphic designer? I was like, sure I am. Yeah, of course. I'm a great graphic designer. Uh, meanwhile, I'm Googling graphic designer. Like, what is a graphic designer? You know what I mean? And uh, so I get the job somehow. Amazing. And I go in, and I, I have no idea what I'm doing, all right? And it's obvious to everyone immediately. And um, there was a guy there, very successful guy in the field of graphic design and television. And he had worked for Disney, an illustrator for Disney, for ESPN, for Major League Baseball, and we were living in New York, and he said, uh, you don't know what you're doing, do you? <laughs> no, I sure don't, but I'll figure it out maybe. And he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. I'm just gonna stay after work for the next however long it takes, and I'll teach you what I know. And so um, he did, we stayed weeks. I'm sure he regretted it by the end. It was a lot longer than he probably hoped. Um, but he showed me everything that he knew. And he poured into my life and he taught me skills and, and, and just how to think about these things. And after that, I moved to New Mexico. I sustained myself and my wife, my family by being a freelance graphic designer. And by the time I left there, I had built a business where I had dozens of clients and I was working all the time. When I moved here at the beginning of the church, um, we didn't have just, it wasn't, there were only a few campuses at that point. So they asked me, will you help us with graphic design? So I was designing postcards and, and business cards and all sorts of things that we were sending out to people, putting these things in the mail that would go to every house in Fort Smith. Those people would get them and some of them would come to church hear the gospel, and give their hearts to Christ. Now, God could have done it a hundred different ways, but I was taught something by someone who was living beyond themselves, and they were using the gifts that God had given them, funneling it into this kid who had no clue, and someone in Fort Smith, Arkansas, got a postcard and came and heard the gospel because of that. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You start becoming generous with your time, with your talents, with your gifts, with your finances, how God has blessed you, and you will realize that there are some gears for you to kick into. If you've retired, I know people in this church that have retired or could retire, but keep working so that they can fund water wells in Peru. Think about how you can get into this significant stage. Where can I pour 
my talents. This is why I work. I work for something bigger than money. I work for the kingdom of God. I want you to stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you today. Um, Pastor Marcus and I were talking about Jesus and the miracle of the man with the withered hand. He was, it was the Sabbath and he was teaching at the temple and there was a man with a withered hand. And Jesus stopped his message and he looked and he healed him. And we were talking about how, yes, he, he healed him physically hand was fine after that. But what else was a result of that? Is that he was able to go and to work again because his hand was made whole. And there may be people in here today that you feel like I have something in my life and it could be a hundred different things that's keeping me from doing the things that I know that I'm supposed to do. I need to be able to provide for my family. Maybe you're looking for a job and you just can't get someone to call you back. Maybe you feel like you're not uh, equipped to do some of the things that you want to do. Maybe some of you, I know there are people in here that have what we call uphill dreams, but they have downhill habits that they're dreaming of something big, but they're doing things on a daily basis or weekly basis they have in their life, habits that are holding them back, that are unhealthy and keeping them from moving forward. I'm gonna pray today that God, through his word, through relationships with other believers and by his Holy Spirit, would begin to break those things off of your life. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. God, I thank you so much for the people in this place. I pray for the person in here who may feel like I have the withered hand, you know, like I have something that's keeping me from uh, being productive. I pray, God, that just like you did in the temple, that you would heal that in this moment. I pray for those that are struggling with those downhill habits, those things that are holding us back from the dreams that you've placed in our hearts, the God-honoring dreams that you've given us. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, through your word, and through relationship with your church, God, that you would, that you would begin to break those things off of their lives. I thank you for every person in here today. You have created us for a reason, and we work, and everything we do, God, is for your glory because we know that you gave us the ability to do any of it. I love you and I thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, please let us know by visiting us online at newlifechurch.tv or by downloading the NLC app on your smartphone. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message each weekend. Thanks again for listening to New Life Church.